What is up, everybody? I'm Brett Pape. That's Coach Bruce on the top. And we got our boss, Christian Williams, from The Cut and from the Debbie Royale. And this is The Coach Approach. Stay on. is up i'm so excited and not just because i get to talk football with coach bruce and not just because we have the debbie royals or debbie royals own christian williams but because we're talking rookie running backs and if you're like me and you're like coach bruce because you're not christian but you're old us we're old so if you're like us man running backs when this is true football, are everything in the past in one quarterback leagues man running backs have always been the priority so i can't wait to get into it but before we do coach bruce how you doing brother glad to see you home you're finally not on the road and uh you enjoy uh your family a little bit this week so tell me how you're doing i'm doing fantastic man there's always pluses and minuses right like when you're on the road you know you have a quiet hotel room right you can just there's not, nothing else going on around you but i'd much rather be home now i'm home Daughter just got back from working out. Wife's about to come home. We've got a, a new puppy addition to the family. So I'm sure when she walks in, she's like a dog whisperer, man. These dogs go nuts every time she comes home. So I'll try to mute out when those, those situations happen. Man. But it's good to be home for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Christian, Christian, man, I'll tell you what. I have been so – it's been more than just excited for you because I'm a fan of yours. But as a content reader, seeing what you and Du Bois 22 and To Whom the Bell Tolls, Jeff, and all you guys are doing over the Debbie Royal, man, I got to tell you, man, I'm really happy with the sets that you guys are having right now. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wild year. We actually celebrated our year anniversary this this week, um, and Kevin posted a nice nice video. Thank you, Kevin, for for that. Um, he he thanked Jeff and I, but. Uh, we just can't thank everyone enough for for the support that we've gotten in that first first year at the Debbie Royale, and you know we're we're still doing some really good things at the Cut too. You know our our podcast is is rocking a little bit. Randy and I just finished up our our position rankings this week, so it's draft time, and that's the most exciting time for both of these uh, these networks that, that I'm affiliated with because we we love talking prospects. So, um, but yeah, so. Uh, Brett, did you want me to to touch on some of the stuff for the Debbie Royale? You want? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a, you know, I've said it from day one, and Coach Bruce and I. I mean, I think we're a lot the same, but we're still different in the sense that, a, I don't have the time to put in to be a true analyst, and b, I just I have other desires. You know, I, I gotta correct this golf swing a little bit more. So with me saying that, I am. I'm a strong believer that you got to go out and find people that you can trust, that you don't have to be an analyst, but if you can find something like the Debbie Royale that allows you to say, okay, I'm going to go all in on their content and use them to draft trade or whatever it may be, 
that I'm all in. And, and what you guys are doing right now, I think it's incredible because just today I'm sitting in here in trade negotiations and someone's, you know, offering a 23rd, third rounder for something. And then I go over to your Debbie rookie rankings on the Debbie Royale uh, Patreon. And I can see that, man, I'll tell you what, that third round may not be that. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and throw that in any other picks? So yeah, I'd love to, for you to share kind of what the consumer is going to get when they sign up for that $3 or the $10 uh, subscription with Patreon. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we do have a Patreon. This is fairly new. We we've done this. I think this is our third month uh, with this launch, but essentially um, the, the $1 tier you're looking at, you'll join us in the discord. It's, it's a really good time over there as well. We get a lot of trade questions. Uh, so if you're not like fully, fully into it just yet, you're not so sure that, you know, Debbie is your thing, but you want to kind of get a taste that we have that tier. Uh, for those that are kind of just introducing themselves. But I will say, uh, you know, the Debbie Manifesto, it, it was kind of our baby. Uh, we worked on that for many, many months. Um, and then we released it in the $3, or, yeah, the, the $3 tier, the day tier here. Um, so essentially, the Debbie Manifesto is, it, <laughs> it lists out every Power 5 program and a couple additional, like, um, I think we've got, it just Notre Dame is the independent uh, one in there, um, but it has depth charts. It has uh, 2022 outlook. It has kind of some recaps, but the, the best part about the Debbie Royale's Patreon is honestly, Kevin is uh, the driving force behind all of it and shout out Jeff as well, because I think together we work really well to, to kind of see the vision, but we are consistently updating this thing, whether it's, the Debbie manifesto, whether it's the rookie manifesto that actually came out uh, this last month uh, where we kind of gave our rookie rankings as we head into the 2022 NFL draft, give some outlook on that, or whether it's the next update that we have coming, which will be a post-draft rookie update as well. We have got some big, big plans for summer content. Uh, we we have some news. I can't really share it just yet, but, but good things happen. And then also, you know, if if you're sold on that and you say, well, I want a little bit more, this $10 a month tier, we've we found we were kind of struggling to figure out what would be really helpful. And we kind of talked through, you know, my first year of playing Debbie and, and Campus to Canton leagues, I would have loved for some individual help, personalized help. And so we had a, added in the personalized roster analysis where you'll send us your roster and say, this is kind of the direction I want to go with it, but I'm really not sure how to get there. We'll go ahead and make like a 10 to 20 minute video where we kind of give our opinions on your roster, where you could go, uh, whether you should focus on, you know, building out your Debbie or your campus to camp or uh, just go win now mode on the NFL side. It's a lot of good things. Kevin and Jeff are two of the most brilliant people uh, that I have met in this space, and I am very, very honored every day to to be working with them. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the gist. the The Patreon can be found if you go to patreon.com slash the Debbie Royale. Uh, you can follow us at the Debbie Royale as well, so you can kind of get a taste. We we drop shows. We're we're live every Tuesday night at nine thirty p.m. Eastern time, um, and then we have a YouTube as well. So check that out. We've we just added some uh, rookie wide receivers on there uh, throughout this week. I don't even think all of them are out just yet. So, well, you guys that's just kind of the gist. 
You guys just What's released up? the Burks the Burks video. Saw that one just recently. And you know, one thing you didn't mention was just having your rankings and just being able to look at all three of you guys and how you rank yeah. the classes in the future. And, and for me to have a one-stop shop to be able to see that, hey man, this 2023 class, I got Bryce Young, I got CJ Stroud, I've got, I mean, it allows me to kind of really take a look at trying to acquire picks in the future as add-ons, just so I'm kind of fully aware of what's coming. And so for me, that that's the way I use it. And if you're not someone who's willing to put in the time and effort like you guys do, um, I, it's such a great resource. So I know that it's, it, I spent a lot of money that month, last month and the best month I've that money I spent was probably like three bucks. So uh, well, I know you did I, well, it's pretty sweet, man. I, I mean, I can't tell you much how much I'm, uh, you know, just thankful to be a part of your organization, even knowing that you guys are putting it out, even though I did nothing for it. <laughs> yeah. I think and the key too is, sorry about, I think the key too, that's so great about it is if you're, doesn't matter what level you're at with C2C, WRL, fantasy football, whatever it is, or Debbie leagues, it's really neat to be able to go ahead. There's so many paid sites. And so as someone you're like, Hey, how do I know? which sites to go to and which ones have good return on investment that I can actually take that have actionable content and say, I can apply that to my teams today. And sometimes I know for me, it's like trial and error, right? Like when you first start out, you buy into all these different sites and then you find out really quick, which ones have the staying power and hook you in and get you to continue to, you know, make payments, so to speak on that. And I, you're what well, you guys have done and i'm not into the i don't do the debbie leagues yet but i keep saying i'm going to get into it i need to um for even for a guy that that's not doing it just looking at the work you guys have done how good it's 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 just as good as or better than the magazine you can go to a store and buy and i truly mean that because i can actually have it on my computer and we're in a day and time it's all about technology right less people are carrying around magazines they're looking at videos short videos what can i get the most information from in the quickest amount of time in between a meeting on a flight in a hotel room wherever that is and so everything you guys are doing is is fantastic man and it it speeds up your process if you're watching college games and you've already looked at some of the information you guys have or in the upcoming season man it, it's all there so i think just a shout out to you guys and the work you've done and not only are you guys just you know huge friends of ours and and, and supporters and we support you guys a ton but all three of you guys and the time and effort you guys put in is awesome, man. So huge shout out to you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I really didn't get to, to touch on, cause I kind of forget all the things that we tossed in there. We did some mock drafts to kind of build out some ADP for C2C and Debbie. Uh, we also did NFL mock drafts. We've really honed in on this rookie class over the last month or so. Uh, and so the, the updates that are coming, I don't like to spoil it. Uh, in advance because um, you know it, it's it's the exciting part when we drop it but uh, we've got a, a lot of really really good stuff and I think that most people have found that it, it's worth three dollars a month and um, you know some people have actually upgraded from the three to the ten yeah. uh, you know if you don't want if you want a, a little taste of it you know uh, we do drop little previews as well so we we do have a couple of the pages uh, somewhere scattered. Kevin's tweeted them out. The show account has tweeted them out. So if you want to go check that out as like a little, little preview, those are available, but thank you guys a, t a ton for the kind words. Um, and, and again, most of that credit, I'm, I'm going to give all the credit to Kevin and Jeff because Jeff was the mastermind behind this. And Kevin is, 
you know, the hardworking uh, phrase kind of gets thrown around a lot in this space. Uh, when when I tell you that Kevin is the hardest working guy I've really ever met in this space, I, I mean that he's just fantastic. So uh, shout out to those guys. Love you guys if you're watching. And if you're not, watch it back. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we should. There you go, man. You guys are awesome. No, no. If, I mean, Kevin's my favorite. And Jeff's funny mm-hmm. and shit. I mean, too <laughs> many Christmas things that he sometimes. I'm wondering, I mean, it seems like sometimes it might be 420 every day for him, but let's move on. And what I wanted to get into this is, is your second aspect that you've been doing a hell of a lot of, and that's your mock drafts. And what I wanted to touch upon that is as someone who I did it once, I used to be, I had a, I had a child who was sick when she was born and she had breathe, she had apnea where she didn't breathe uh, as you know, she struggled with it at times. And so I, I quit teaching for two years to stay home with her today. And I and I worked for the local paper and I begged and pleaded because I've always been a huge draft guy. I mean, there's nothing better than watching the draft. I loved it when it was Saturday morning all day and then Sunday all morning, but now it's changed a little bit. It's still great no matter what it was. But I convinced them to let me do a rookie mock draft. It was printed on the day and so forth. So with that being said, you've been doing... I mean, it seems like every other week and you're complaining about the trades that are making because it affects you and that. But with that being said, I, I kind of want to talk about the process. And if I sure. were to do this, I would think the first way I would go is to kind of attack a big board and just first rank out all the players. And then I'm going to go into teams needs and then I'm just going to kind of cut and paste from there. Kind of tell me how you go about in producing a real mock draft? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, because I do, I, yes. So I, I've graded, I believe 187 is my number now, and I still need to get to 200. Uh, but we, we have a pretty intensive scouting process at the cut, uh, that kind of allows us to decipher some of these guys back in the day. I used to just kind of say, well, I like that player and I think I like him better than that player, but I'm not really sure because they kind of do a lot of the same things. So Randy and I at the cut put together this, this kind of comprehensive grading scale. It's 10 different metrics for each uh, position uh, with the one constant or two constants being production and athleticism uh, because you have to be an athlete to play in the NFL. Right. So uh, that's kind of the first step is get enough of those guys watched that I feel comfortable saying that they could go in the first round. Cause when I start the mocks, I, I typically just do, first round mocks. I, my final mock this year was a third rounder because I found that to be really fun last, uh, last year. Uh, so, but I, I typically start with first round mocks. So I do, I grade out enough guys that I feel comfortable saying, well, this guy could go here because I don't, I like to be predictive with all of my mocks. You know, there are a lot of people that take mocks and, uh, just have fun with them, but I like to just try to be as predictive as possible. Um, but the interesting part is when I'm building out my big board, I am also looking at guys that I think the NFL will like more than me. So for example, a guy like sauce Gardner, I have him as a back end first round player. I think he struggles in, in zone sauce Gardner is a corner from Cincinnati. If, if right. there's someone listening that that doesn't know, but um, he, I think he struggles in, in zone coverage at times. I think he can be a little too grabby, but I also know that that length, and just 
overall ability to kind of sit on an island is valuable to most NFL teams. And so I kind of go against my big board in situations like that. And I kind of start to value players in the way that the NFL will. Sometimes that bites me because sometimes my evaluation is how the NFL is seeing it. And we get a lot of smoke from a lot of, you know, plugged in guys. And sometimes I, I buy too much into that when I'm creating these mock drafts, but overall it's, it's just a really fun process. I, I do, I, I stress about it, you know, I, especially cause I try to incorporate trades too. And I know I'm not going to be 100% right, but uh, I still try to be as, as predictive as possible. And I'm still waiting for the day that I accurately predict a trade up with just the two teams. I don't even need the picks to be right. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm always a little wrong with those ones, but uh, but it's a good time. Mock drafting is one of my favorite parts of draft season. So. Well, I think what's really neat too about it is there's it's that time of year, right? Where it's so much fun to put mock drafts together. I know PFF and some other sites have got some apps you can get on there. And in five minutes, you can do your entire seven round mock, or you can do the entire, you know, all 32 teams for seven rounds, but it's so hard to predict. I mean, you listen to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky and all these guys on NFL network and, everybody's got a little different spin but i think what's really neat about what you guys do too and i, I gotta imagine this is a huge advantage so if i'm listing or looking at mock drafts i really want to look at guys that have been tracking these college players for longer than just this off season and that's the great thing i think about what you guys are doing with the debbie royale is you guys are watching these kids come out of high school as they sign the letters of intent how they're ranked in the espn 300 and then all the way through their college career and so i think it's really neat for you guys probably to say hey We've been watching this kid since he was 17, 18, signed his letter of intent. And now we've watched him through four years of college, five years, maybe if, if they take a, a year, another year or whatever, but are the late declare injuries. And then you get to kind of say, hey, I know these players really well. I, I know uh, what these NFL teams are looking for. I know schematically what they like to do on whether, you know, it's on the, on the offensive side or defensive side of the ball. So I can only imagine for you guys, it's got to be a lot of fun to put these things together. You guys have a much deeper knowledge of a lot of these players than I think the average person does. It just plays around with a mock draft, likes to post it on Twitter, you know, and say, hey, what do you think? You know what I mean? Not me. I'm that guy, by the way. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, and I also think it it presents an advantage, right? So uh, Jeff, Jeff was one of the first ones, and I had my concerns, but Kyron Williams was popping up as a top two running back for a lot of people about four months ago and Jeff and I had kind of discussed and I said, you know, I have concerns. Is he able to get the edge? You know, is he actually an athlete? And so in my scale, I had been a little cautious with it and, and just, this is a running back episode. So I wanted to bring up Kyron, but like, if you have him in your top five, I get it because the film is really, really good for the most part. It's just, is he an athlete? how does the NFL then value that? Because we kind of saw that with Michael Carter. He was a little smaller last year, ended up a fourth round pick. And, you know, Kyron's kind of that same mold, right? So Jeff and I were talking and and Jeff was like, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I'd be a little cautious with how we're viewing Kyron because in startups, Kyron was going in like the sixth round at times and it was really, really rich. And so then the (laughs) testing numbers come through and then you kind of see him slipping down, everyone's boards and and that just present you know that's the advantage of of kind of getting to these guys a little earlier you know well i think that's what kyron would kill him right it's like you if you watch him play there's a lot of things you watch and on tape that you really like and then you look at where the metrics come in at and you look at you know uh, a slow a slower 40 time i think people were expecting right coming in a four six five 
How oh, yeah. 32 inch vertical, his broad jump wasn't, you know, great. Uh, and so you really start to look at that and it's where analytics, I think meets film. I think Kyron's a great example of that. Like a lot of the initial running backs I was breaking down, Kyron Williams wasn't even on my list, mm-hmm. right? And that's how crazy and out of whack it got. And then, you know, obviously you realize that, hey, if you watch the tape, there's a lot of things about Kyron Williams to like that, that you know, can transfer to the NFL. So he's one player I'm curious to see, you know, how that plays out. Well, before we get into the rookies, let's let's talk about something that's been all over media lately, and that's the whole Debo, Samuel, whatever, trade or not trade. And, and you know, you've getting reports where he's not happy having a role as a running back. Then you get people say that he's concerned about having Trey Lance as his quarterback, and you get reports that all he cares about is the money. Um, between you two, is he going to get traded, or do you think that this is just smoke and we'll finally? Uh, see San Francisco uh, kind of empty the bank there pretty soon for him. Uh, okay. You want me to go first? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think, I think this is that time of year. And I always joke around about coach speak, right? Like don't believe anything you hear at this time of the season. Don't believe anything about what the teams are telling you about the draft, unless you have inside information, which a lot of us that are just on the Twitter space don't necessarily have. But Debo to me is to me, I look and I put myself in his shoes the other day when all those tweets were, before the trade stuff came out, we're talking about where we rank Debo in terms of is he a wide receiver one? Where do you rank him in your in your rankings? And, and I was really taking a look at Debo and saying he capitalized on an offensive system with Kyle Shanahan that catered to what he needed because of the injuries in that backfield. And you can go through the list of injuries from last season. There was a need for Debo to do what they needed him to do. And so I think they realized they caught lightning in a bottle. Because at first it was more of a, I think, more of a gadget thing. And then that turned into he's getting meaningful carries. Third down situations, goal line situations. Um, they're using him in third and long, seeing if they can catch the defense in a, in a too high look and bailing and say, hey, we can run him on, a, on something else and have an opportunity here. So I looked at Debo as, first of all, I don't always believe the fluff, but I think there's a little bit to this one. I think it's gone on long enough. There's been enough said at this point. You've got to believe there's some some truth to it. When I heard the part about if Jimmy G goes, I go, I was like, that, that's where I start to not believe in him as much, right? <laughs> it's actually said, right? Consider the sources. But I, I think Debo is smart. He sees what the wide receiver market is doing. He realized he brings something different. He was a wide receiver one when he was being used primarily as a wide receiver. And then you look to what he did as a running back and what his yards per touch were. And you're like, hey, We've got something here. So what's he doing? He's doing something right now. He's going to capitalize on that and say, hey, I'm going to take advantage of where the market's at. I'm going to play a little hardball and I'm going to get my money. And so I think he's, whether you like it or not, to me as a player trying to get my bag, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. But just where else is he going to go and have that opportunity that he has in San Francisco? So I think he proved enough that, hey, coming into this year, they're going to use him in the same role. Now, is it going to be as often? I don't think it is. But where else can he go? Kyle Shanahan has one of the best run games in the NFL. Schematically, what he can do with players, I don't know where else Debo can go and have that much of an impact. So is he just trying to capitalize on the market right now when his market is extremely high? Yeah, I think he is. What, what are your thoughts on him? I think he lost Brett a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's spinning a little bit there. Um yeah, so I mean, I I think that there's substance to it. Um, you know, you talk about inside sources. I actually got a DM uh, from someone 
couple weeks ago now uh, that said that there is substance to this Debo talk before there was actually substance to the Debo talk. Uh, and I didn't really believe it. You know, I, I don't really take a lot of the DMS I get super seriously, but then this person gave me the, the three, three of the five favorites that are, are now favored to land him. And so now I, I think that this has been a long time coming. And so I do think that uh, there is something to this and, to your point, I think that there are probably um, two teams that I would feel comfortable with actually utilizing him in the way that he needs to be used. Now, I also want to say, I don't, I don't think he should be paid as a top receiver in the league. Now, I, there was the report of one of the NFC coaches that coached against him saying, "Well, he's a he's a top three player in the NFL." And, you know, that might be true, but all of the the kind of work that it takes to get him to be that, I don't know that that's worth $30 million or, or whatever, uh, yeah. whatever he's about to get paid. So I get the stance from the 49ers saying, listen, you've been hurt. Uh, you had to be used in a, in a certain way in order to be effective. And quite frankly, he wasn't – he was a good receiver – but he wasn't this level, this caliber of receiver when, you know, he wasn't getting backfield touches as much. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think he wants to be traded. I think there are two teams and the two teams to me are the, the New York jets because of the old yeah. 49ers coaching staff and the, uh, green Bay Packers, because I think that they do a really, really good job of getting the ball in their playmakers hands. Uh, you look at how Devonte Adams was just peppered with targets. I would, Expect something similar for Debo Samuel. Of course, they would have to be a little bit more gadgety than Devontae was used, but they yeah. they love to toss Devontae in motion and then just hit him on a short little flat route and let him work. Uh, and that's kind of exactly how I think Debo can be successful as well. So we'll see what kind of happens from here on out. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that they won a lot for him and they lost the leverage today. And I think that he knew that he was taking the leverage back and saying, I'm, I'm done. I just need you guys to trade me uh, because his agent's probably telling him this needs to happen before the NFL draft uh, or it's really yeah. not going to happen for a few months. So it's a crazy situation. It is crazy. And it's funny. You see all the, all the, you know, the, the, the artwork I'll call it being put on Twitter where people are putting, you know, Debo, Debo in their favorite team's uniform and, you get out of Cowboy fans talking about, oh, man, what a great fit would he be in, in Dallas. <laughs> I think we've fallen so much in love with what he was last year, and I don't see him ever duplicating that again, not at that level, especially moving to a different team. And so I, I'm not as high on Debo as a wide receiver or as a running back. Do I think that he brings a lot to the table? Yeah, but I love what he can do in the yak game. I love what he can do in the screen game. I love the ability to, to, to put him into the backfield and use him in the slot as a movement guy. Uh, absolutely. But he's, he's it's interesting because I think like the Colts, I thought about God, the Colts would be a great landing spot for him, too, just because you have Pittman, who's your guy that is your, you know, red zone target. He's they've been trying to use him more in the screen game. I don't feel like that fits his skill set because of a need. Hilton was out. Paris Campbell was out. I think they're trying to figure out a way to make this work. And I was like, God, great O-line. You know, you've got an aging quarterback now that Matt Ryan's taking over over there. It's like it'd be a great situation. But. You just you kind of fall in love with figuring out where would Debo really fit now. Jets, 
100% agree. I agree with both, both teams that you said. I think the and Jets has been one of the most popular teams out there. I hear a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think people fall in love with, you know, they lost Tyreek Hill, and, and they could see a fit there too. But it, it's a fun thing to play, but it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think you're right. I think his timing before the draft was was pretty smart. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> hey, back. welcome to the show. Here, I, uh, I feel like I should introduce you as a guest. <laughs> I feel like, you know, do you ever see one of my favorite movies is Almost Famous? And, and not, yeah, that that lead, not that I'm the lead singer of this group, but I feel like the buck was just pulling away. And I'm like, you're always forgetting <laughs> me, but I digress and let's move on. Let's get into the backs. And, and I brought this up earlier, man. Running backs are everything for an old guy. I mean, I want as many of them as I possibly can get. And, and before we get into Coach Bruce's top five, I just kind of want to know your you, Christian, this class as a overall, I, I, you probably followed it over the last couple of years. There seems to be, I think Brees Hall's numbers at the combine and Brees Hall's a lot. Of, I saw a lot of Isaiah Spiller ahead of him as recently as October, November. And now it's almost like we've got a, if this is a bigger description, discrepancy than CEH and Jonathan Taylor two years ago. This is Brees Hall's class without a doubt. If you look at the consensus. Yeah. And so when stacking it up to, you know, previous or my particular favorite future classes, I think that overall we're going to get a couple of good backs from this class, but I think what we're looking at from a fantasy football perspective is mostly RB twos. I think that when you look forward to the 2023 class, uh, you there's potential to have five or six RB1s next year. And and I can't wait until, you know, the, the dynasty community. Now, of course, everyone is kind of aware that the 2023 class is this insane thing, but yeah. I can't wait till the, the discussion and the discourse uh, starts to play out. But this class, it's good. Um, you know, I think people were really, really down on it early when comparing it to last year's class, though, I think the top three to four stack up pretty well with the top three to four last year. Um, we'll we'll talk about the the rankings, and I don't want to give too much away here. But uh, when I, I've put together a few lists, and that's kind of one of my new favorite things to do is kind of combine classes as I graded them because I think it helps me look at well, am I overvaluing this person? Um, am I kind of giving them grades that don't really match what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing? Um, but when I put together the two lists, I think there were four of these guys, maybe just three in my top 10 over the last three classes. So not too bad. Not too bad. Well, let's get right into it. And I kind of gave you, it's, it's not a surprise, but kind of gave away coach Bruce's first, but coach Brees Hall is your number one back heading into uh, the draft. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, some of your highlights, your lowlights, and I would assume there's probably not many lowlights about a Mr. Brees Hall at Iowa State. No, I think, you know, being being a film guy, just I'm kind of coming around the analytics. I get why it's there. I understand how to use it. But I think just the coach in me, just I, I think I gravitate to the film first and then use the analytics to see if it matches what I see on film. But Brees Hall, it's like to me that there, there's what is the weakness in his game? And I think when you look at, so I'm looking at his metrics. I start there, right? So if you say, if I'm looking at his metrics, he's 5'11", 217. So he's got the size. He's 
less than 21 years old. He's a 4.3940 guy in the 97th percentile. He's got a 40 inch vertical. He's got a 10 and a half broad jump. I mean, everything jumps out. His speed score, his burst score, his dominator, whatever metrics you want to use that the, the analytic people love to see, it, it's all there. Um, and I think if you look at, uh, I think the interesting stat that I found the other day, I got a, I got a, f- a couple of fun facts here. So he was a sixth running back since 2003 to earn a 99 athleticism score. I know, I know you're big on that Christian from the next, next gen stats. The other five guys were Reggie Bush, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, and Travis Etienne. <laughs> Pretty good company, right? You know, from that perspective and who those guys are as prospects coming into their respective drafts. So, when you put Brees Hall and you kind of compare that with those guys, it's pretty impressive. Um, I could go through each year, but to keep it short and sweet, I think he, from a running perspective, I look at highlights. I love his size and durability. He's, he's a three down back at the next level, in my opinion. He's a dual threat guy. and He's never had less than 20 receptions in a season um, at Iowa State. I'm an Iowa State fan. I've had some family friends that had, had a son that played there. And of course, I was a Brock Purdy guy having played out here in Arizona. So I watch a lot of their games. Um, he scores from anywhere on the field. He's got, I think, five runs of 75 yards or more. Uh, he's got great vision and field, and he's got an ability to set up and manipulate defenders at the second level. And I think that's a, something when you're watching film that it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to understand how he is setting up his footwork at the first level and already looking to the second level. Barry Sanders, um, Emmett Smith, guys just had unbelievable vision to see past that first first line of defense in the second level, I think it's something Brees Hall does extremely well. He can run by you. He can run through you. He can run around you. Um, he's physical at the point of contact. He can shed tackles. So he, he's got everything as far as that goes. Do I put him in the Saquon Barkley category? No, I don't. Not as a prospect. I don't think he's at that level. But I think he is very, very close to that. Um, as far as his low lights go, um, High volume guy, you know, all four years in college. And I know some some concerns about that as you get into that 27, 28 age pecs for the ages out there, which I'm not a necessarily a firm believer in in, in 2020, 22. I think guys are longer than they used to. So I think it's kind of a funny thing that people put out. He does show a tendency to hesitate and lack burst at times when you watch him on film. And I think that's just, he can be so good at setting up blocks, it almost becomes a detriment to him on certain plays and, and when he's looking to bounce outside sometimes that decision isn't made as quickly as I would like um, he's not real shifty in a phone booth um, prefers to use his size and strength to me in terms of uh, running through tackles so but again I, I think he's to me he's he's the RB1 and he's in the tier by himself and then you get into tier two why don't you tell us so, right there, so, I mean one of the things that I heard there is you look at the numbers and they talk about generational. And I've seen a lot of people tweet the term generational when it comes with Brees Hall. But then you're talking about guys like Jonathan Taylor and he just mentioned Saquon Barkley. How good is Brees Hall to you, Christian? Well, now I'm also a little uh, little biased because I was low on Jonathan Taylor as a prospect. And uh, I had concerns about his actual vision and then he gets to the NFL and those concerns were there and then they weren't because he developed as a, as a player, which is what you like to see. And, and you're excited about that. And that's kind of why I've kind of built in a little bit of a cushion with Brees's issues in that regard, uh, because I don't necessarily think that he's not seeing the field. I think that he is just 
waiting because he, like you said, he likes to set up his blocks, and sometimes that makes him an indecisive runner. I saw that a little bit out of Jonathan Taylor. I didn't see a whole lot of patience from him, though, so it kind of counteracted. But Brees Hall, to me, is a, a – I believe I have him in my top 10 <laughs> overall yeah. big board this year. Definitely a tier of his own. Um, you know, I watched him play, and I thought that he was athletic – but no part of me thought he was that athletic. And there are very few people that could have guessed that he would run four threes while also jumping that high yeah, uh, and far. But a fantastic player. When I first watched him last year, I said, I really kind of want to see him get better. He doesn't really run like a 220-pound back. He So last year, or two years ago now, uh, he – he would go down on first contact quite a bit for someone that big. And and I don't know if he was just overthinking things out there, but then you watched his 2021 film and that was gone. Uh, he, he has really good contact balance. He, he kind of uh, bounces off tacklers pretty well. Um, but I, I echo the sentiments too, that I don't think that he's super shifty in a phone booth. And I think that that's some of what some of these other guys that I'm sure we'll get to uh, kind of possess. And ultimately if Reese, is in a tier of his own. And I think he's kind of scheme diverse too. Uh, I think you get him in an outside zone scheme and it's, it's deadly though. So, um, so I'm interested to see where he goes. I know he's been mocked to the bills quite a bit lately. So. Well, I don't know if he's mocked to the bills because so many people want him to go to the, I know their running back situation, but let's just get one of those guys. Well, I'm (laughs) just telling you what we all are. I mean, we, we talk to Any receiver that goes to Kansas City this year, we're all in on. But aside yeah, from that, for sure. landing spots real quick, because we're going to make this a three-hour podcast if we don't pick it up. So landing spots, ideal situations, aside from Buffalo, because that's easy. Coach, where would you like to see him if he's not in Buffalo? I love how you say besides Buffalo, because that's easy when I just said Buffalo. Way to set me up, man. So <laughs> I did. I, I had him at Buffalo. Um, just because the thought of Josh Allen, you know, having uh, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, you know, Jamison Crowder, I think is a good addition there. And of course, Dawson Knox and what they can do offensively uh, is obviously very exciting for a team that just missed out on, on getting the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. So, but I took, if I took my second and third options, I had the Atlanta Falcons um, because I think there's a little bit of a scheme fit there. And I picked the Houston Texans because they need an RB1 guy. So I looked at I look at him as a bell cow back. You can categorize, is he complimentary? Is he change of pace guy? Or is he a bell cow guy? Bell cow guy? And I think we all agree Brees Hall is a bell cow guy. And those are three offenses that are looking for that. You know, he's a good compliment, I think, to Cordell Patterson in Atlanta um, in terms of what they want to do with Cordell Patterson. And they had to use him more often than they wanted to because of need last year. If you bring in a Brees Hall, you know, you eliminate some of that. I think that could be a good fit for him. Yeah, there are a few different fits. I I mocked him to Buffalo in my my final mock draft, so obviously I'm I'm in on that as well. Even though it, you know that's not the the scheme that I think that he's best fitting in, uh, but I also think that they're going to adapt that scheme a little bit this year. But I like yeah. the Jets. Uh, I know Michael Carter truthers don't want to hear that, but I do think the Jets want a true lead back at this point and i know they come from uh you know a system where you can find backs on day three and they can be successful but none of those backs are Brees hall and if if Brees is yeah. sitting there at the top of the second 
I think there's a real shot that the Jets just pull the trigger uh, and go pair him with Michael Carter. Now, I think that would render Carter irrelevant here in a year. Uh, yeah. So it, it's unfortunate for that aspect, but I do like the scheme fit and, and what he could provide Zach Wilson uh, as a, a three down workhorse back. I think that's a hard part of doing this stuff, right? Is you have fantasy football versus NFL. And I think this is when it's fun for me because I feel like I'm looking at things from an NFL perspective, fantasy second. Yeah. Right. So I think, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, you hate the landing spot for the Jets if you're a Michael Carter guy. Um, but I think, man, I, that's a great, that's a great fit. I'm actually upset. I didn't put that one down, but I do think it makes a lot of sense. Well, there's a reason why he's our boss. So let's move on. That's right. To yeah. Let's move on to number two for you, coach. And it's a kid that came, you know, he was a transfer kid and, and he uh, pretty much showed exactly what he was worth right off the bat. And that's Kenneth Walker with Michigan state. Why don't you tell us what you thought about him? Well, and I think I'm with the consensus here. Uh, as you guys know, I track a lot of the consensus ranking and what sites are doing and where they're putting, putting, putting these, this, this year's class. But he's a, at first people want to say, well, he was at Wake Forest, you know, couldn't stick it out at Wake Forest. So he transfers out and goes to Michigan state. Look, I, I don't care about any of that. There's plenty of examples of guys that transferred out and, and did pretty well. There's a couple of Heisman Trophy winners did the same thing. So I, I think when we talk about why guys transferred, I, I take that completely out of, the conversation. The reality is the guy got 276 touches last year, turned that into 1,700 yards and 19 touchdowns at 6.3 yards per touch. And if you look at um, what now, and we know what the knocks are, but if you look at, again, another guy, I didn't expect him to run a 4.38. I was thinking 4.45, sub 4.5 for sure, but I was not expecting a sub 4.4. Another guy at 34-inch vertical. So again, the metrics also line up, the speed scores there. Uh, the only thing you the 50.2% dominator rating, you know, guys want to talk about dominator rating. You know, I think that's all specific to where you play in the offense you're in too, but we know what the knocks are, right? We know that he doesn't have a lot of receiving upside from what he did at, at either Wake Forest or Michigan state, but I think people have to understand it's worth noting. Those are not teams that throw a lot to running backs, you know? So I think you have to understand that too. I've heard people say, well, he caught 60. I was one of those guys joking around about, Hey, he caught 64 balls in high school. And I think Jeff made a funny comment on it, if I remember correctly. But you you look at what he does when he does get a chance to catch the ball. He doesn't look like he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't look like he's not fluid. He doesn't look like he doesn't understand, you know, how to run a route. I, I don't get that, you know, from him that, that he just can't do it. I think he just wasn't asked to do it. Now, does that mean I expect him to be Naheem Hines at the next level in terms of pass catching? No, I don't. But I do think it's something he can certainly work on. And by year two or three, can he be more adequate? Um, like Derrick Henry learned to do. Yeah, I think there's a possibility there that he can do it. I think he has enough, enough athleticism to do that. So I, I have him at number two, partly because of what this draft class is, and secondly, because of what he showed on tape and then what he did at his pro day in the combine. I think the skill set's certainly there for him to be, you know, the number two guy in this class. Christian, is he your number two? He is. Yeah, so – he, he was my three, but that athleticism pushes him up a little bit. And I, I hate that that's kind of like the differentiator. But when you have guys that are kind of similarly tiered, which I had him considered in that, that tier one with the top three, uh, that's kind of what happens. And I kind of know that going in. But I, I echo a lot of that. I think Walker, to me, if he's just a catch a dump off and, and make something happen kind of guy at the NFL level, I'm cool with that. And yeah. that's where – you know, you have to separate the 
the uh, the NFL from the fantasy football when you're talking about Kenneth Walker because some NFL team is going to be obsessed with the way he runs the football. Uh, he's got incredible burst. He's got the long speed. He's got so-so vision, and I think that stems from that really long mesh disgusting stuff at Wake Forest um, where – uh, you know, he didn't really get an opportunity to read out the second level. It was just read out for him. So, yeah. uh, but no, yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic back and, and I am a fan. I think he's a really good value in, in rookie drafts right now too, for what it's worth. So, no, I think I, I, it's funny because I put my notes for his low lights outside of the pass catching building and lack of receiving work was also, he doesn't always trust the play design and can get off track. So you see him, whether it's, I don't want to get in too much in the run scheme, but you see him at, not trust what he sees sometimes or not want to necessarily go where the track is based on the run call and what the scheme is on that given play. I think some of that's because he had some home run plays last season. He was finally the guy and, you know, in a good program and his stock was rising. I think as players, as athletes, especially when we're younger, we have a tendency to try to do too much sometimes because we've been so successful. And there were times on tape that you could see the lack of vision and him wanting to kind of, either bounce it outside too quick or not trust the blocking scheme to, to take his time and be more patient. But I mean, it's so hard to find negatives on tape of this guy outside of receiving. Number three. And I was a little surprised by your third pick. And then I remember where you live and that's Arizona States Rashad White. Why don't you tell me why he's your number three back there, Bruce? So I'll start with the negatives first for him. <clears throat> A lot of people want to talk about, you know, 3.2 years old, right? The guy that, I say point two, you like how I put the months in there? Uh, he's a guy that signed out of high school at a Division II school in Nebraska Kearney and then redshirted at a D2 school. So if you're looking at that stuff, you're saying, man, the guy wasn't even good enough to play the D2 school. There's more to it. Um, and then he goes to play in uh, San Antonio College in California, uh, Mount San Antonio College, um, who we scrimmaged against at Redland. So I just want to throw that in there real quick just because there's some – a pretty good program but he becomes a first team junior college all-american okay he had 1264 yards 10 touchdowns i think his final season in 2019 goes to asu and immediately now unfortunately because of covid the pac-12 was hit really hard in 2020 they only got four games in but in those four games he ran for 420 yards averaged 10 yards carry five touchdowns and then he had the eight receptions for 151 yards and a touchdown there so had he gotten a full season, I think we're talking about Rashad White in a different light. Um, after 2021, so I think most people that didn't really follow ASU were like, oh, 2021 was a breakout year. Well, 2020 would have been his breakout year had that season not been cut as short as it was in the Pac-12. Um, they weren't as fortunate in the conferences that got to play a few more games. So I, I just love what I see on tape. I mean, he's a guy that can catch 50, 60 balls at the next level. He shows good receiving skills. He, he's good. Um, he can good good in between the tackles. He's good outside the tackles, um, and he made an immediate impact at ASU. And also, um, I think he's got good size to be a three down back. I mean, I, I think there's there's other examples of guys in the NFL at his size that he can get it done as a three down back. Now, I do understand the NFL is moving away from a true three down back. There's a lot more running back by committees. There's very few workforces in the in the NFL now, but. I think he has an above average uh, toolbox of moves, both inside and outside the box. And of course, we know what he gives you in the passing game. So I'm, I'm probably higher on Rashad White than most. I mean, at some, at some points, I was actually thinking about moving him into an RB2 category until you really start watching Kenneth Walker. You're like, man, I can't even, I, I can't put him at RB2, but I'll certainly feel okay putting him at RB3. Yeah. 
What about you, Christian? As a homer, I admit, I admit that. Where do you have him, Christian? Is he, is he that much of a homer? Uh, no, I have him at RB five, so I'm a little lower, but I get it. You know, I I see all the flashes. There was one when I stumbled upon Rashad. Uh, I think it was October, November, the first time I sat down to watch him. Uh, I had watched some Arizona State games and he popped, and so I, I tossed on some film a little early on that. And uh, one of the first plays I saw was he lined up in the slot. And he broke about four tackles and then outran the whole uh, yeah. opponent, the whole team, the whole defense. So uh, it was definitely an exciting start to to what I think of Rashad White. And I, I echo all of that. You know, if I have a, a little bit of a gripe, it would be his contact balance. He tends yeah. to go down fairly quickly. But then you see the runs where he does bounce off three guys and, and makes them miss. And you feel pretty comfortable about it. And you're right. He has all that size. He's the same size as uh, he's actually he's bigger than than Kenneth Walker uh, when you talk about three down backs. So, uh, yeah, I love Rashad. He's he's been inside my top six now since my first grade I put on him. So, yeah, I've got him down. that He struggles at time with contact balance and he struggles to make the first man miss. So you nailed it. I think that you see that on tape enough times, it becomes a concern. All right, let's move on to number four, which for number four for you is a guy that up until I already said it, up until October was not my number one guy. And that's Isaiah Spiller. And first thing I think of Isaiah Spiller is CJ Spiller. And I get a little sick to my stomach because that's a guy who I invested a hell of a lot of draft capital back in the day for. But why don't you tell me what you like about Isaiah Spiller your four spot there coach so i actually had if you were go pre nfl combine pro days i had him in between that two three spot i was just starting looking at kenneth walker more and the the film a little bit so i actually had him graded higher but then he because he's six foot 217 he got plenty of volume at texas a&m 540 carries over his three years almost three thousand yards rushing she's 25 touchdowns he showed the ability to be a three down back and, and to be a dual threat guy but um, he's only, he's not 21 yet, right? so I think that's a big plus. But a 4.64, and then you say, okay, there's other backs that ran 4.6 that have been successful in the NFL. Then you go only a 30-inch vertical, only a nine-and-a-half-foot broad jump. And there's other things from an athletic perspective that start to stand out, so that's when those concerns come in. So I just felt like from his athletic profile, I had some concerns. But when you watch the film, there are some things that, that, that certainly pop. Um, I think his feet are always active. I think he's always looking for plus plays. I don't think he's a guy that that shies away from contact. Um, He's got above average hands as a receiver. He moves well laterally uh, to make people miss in the open field, which I think is important at the NFL level. You just don't have enough of that home run hitter ability. So even though he's a four, six guy, he does have the ability to make people miss to get you some extra yards, get you that first down. Um, And he's a three-year starter in the SEC. So I think that's got to mean something. Um, to come in as a true freshman and start and get 174 carries, almost run for a thousand yards as a true freshman in the SEC. So there are a lot of things to like, um, but 74 catches, only one touchdown receiving, I think was a, was a little bit, I think that's more scheme and where he was catching balls in that offense than it is more of a hindrance or a negative for him. Yeah. Um, so the reason I was looking down here is I thought of a player that I think kind of fits this exact mold and it's Josh Jacobs. Um, 
so Josh Jacobs, not a, a crazy athlete, not super explosive. I think he's a really talented NFL back. I think he has shown that he can be a three down back. Um, and so when I look at what Spiller's outlook could eventually be, it's something similar to that. I have Spiller as my RB3. I, and I I had wavered a little bit. I got a little nervous on the testing. But, I mean, he's not a crazy athlete like these other guys. But I also don't think that it hinders him to that level where I'm really, really concerned that he's not going to be a good NFL running back. So uh, his his footwork is just incredible. Like I, I love watching him kind of weave between the tackles. I think he's a really good inside zone uh, yeah. running back. So I actually think the Bills would be a nice fit for him. Uh, but, yeah, which is kind of funny. But uh, there are a lot of teams that run a lot of inside zone concepts. But uh, yeah. I, I kind of hope Spiller lands with the Texans and and kind of takes over that, that RB1 role for them. Yeah, I think that's a good landing spot for him. I, I have him in this one going to Atlanta because I had Brees Hall going to Buffalo, but I was just picking one landing spot per running back. But I have him going to Atlanta, but not not until pick fifty eight. I think with their, I think they take a wide receiver at eight. I think that, or you know that, they could go best player available, but I just I feel like Atlanta needs something with Calvin really sitting out for another year uh, to complement what they're trying to do with, with Kyle Pitts. So I can see this as a good landing spot for him in the second round at pick fifty eight to Atlanta. I don't think it's necessarily the best scheme fit, but I think there's enough enough there for him to, you know, to carve out a role for sure. Well, all I'll say about Isaiah Spiller, prior to all the numbers coming out for all these other people, he was the guy that I was hoping I can get. And when I was trading for 22 picks, it was for him. And if I can get him at the 108 to whatever, I'm freaking happy as shit to get him. So Let's move on. And, and here's the weird thing is that Coach Bruce has been debating all day long on who his number five is. So I don't even know who his number five is. So here we go. Coach Bruce, if you would, please reveal the number five running back in the 2022 class for fantasy football. I'm still struggling with it. So <laughs> when I say where I'm going, I've got four guys in the same tier, right? So I've got Hall and I've got Walker, White, and Spiller in the same tier. And then I go with, I've got Zamir White, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, and Kyron Williams in that same tier with Kyron kind of being towards the end of that tier. But so it's tough for me to go, who is your true number five? I don't really have one. But if I'm going to talk about somebody that I think deserves an opportunity, because I, I know where Christian's going with this one. So I'm going to, I'm going to go away from that. Um, I would go between, I think Zamir White. Um, he's in a great situation uh, at Georgia. Um, they had James Cook. You didn't get to see as much in the passing games. I think James Cook is a guy that can have a real receiving work, um, be a complimentary back to a team that has a really good, you know, first and second down back. But the only thing about Zamir White, so he's 20, he's going to be almost 23 or 23 by the time the season starts. Um, but he is a, he's a 4-4 guy, almost a sub sub 4-4. Uh, 33 and a half inch vertical, 10-7 broad jump. He was a five-star recruit, actually a top 10 national recruit and the number one running back coming in. So, but if you look at the downside, only a 2.9% target share. Some of that's because of James Cook, but also he does, he doesn't really show a lot on tape in terms of passing game. But if I had to choose one guy between him and Brian Robinson, although Brian Robinson's a guy that I really like as a Derrick Henry type in the right offense. Um, he can be a high volume guy. He's a good first and second down work, but I, I'd go Zamir White here just because I got to pick somebody. 
So that's who I'm going to go with. There are concerns, you know, with the ACL tear uh, in 2017. I think he tore his right ACL. And then in the spring of 2018, he tore his right ACL. Uh, so he had to take a red shirt year. So I, I think that's something that's going to hold him back is, is age. If you're in the breakout age, again, especially for running backs, that could certainly hinder uh, what a lot of people think in the fantasy community. But again, we're talking about NFL teams and where is he to fit schematically. So that's my five. Zamir White, Mr. Christian Williams. So I actually, I've, I've, I flipped. Uh, I got oh. two more games of Zamir. So Zamir's my RB four. Um, he's just ahead of Rashad. So I, I'm a big fan of his game. I know there's been a lot of talk about how he isn't creative in the open field, uh, and he doesn't gain yards after contact. And I struggle to find that uh, a reliable stat because I watch Zamir White truck people in the open field and I would call that uh creating yards you know if he's able to gain some yards after that uh he might not be the most shifty and maybe he still isn't fully trusting his knees uh because you know he he has torn two ACLs but yeah uh I love Zamir's game but I will I'll talk about my six because I think maybe this is where you thought I was going but Damian Pierce That's yeah. where I thought you were going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Damian Pierce, the only re- the only thing that bumped him down uh, was actually his RAS, his athleticism, because these guys, to me, this like three through six, uh, yeah, about three through six, are in about the same tier. But Damian Pierce is a really really fun running back. He, uh, he's super bursty, but also elusive. He can run through you. He can run around you. He didn't get to play a lot in college because Dan Mullen doesn't really know what he's doing, and that's why he's not the coach of the Florida Gators anymore. Uh, but uh, Damian Pierce was just super, super efficient with the ball in his hands. He's a really good pass-blocking running back as well, which I know we don't talk about a whole lot in the fantasy space, but NFL teams are going to value that. He's a good pass catcher too, a really good yak guy. And so – I think that Damian Pierce is probably going to find himself uh, selected on day two. I actually think all of the backs that we just talked about will be selected uh, on day one or day two. So uh, another guy that I'm just, I'm super high on and you can get Damian Pierce at the back of the second at this point in, in rookie drafts. So yeah, sign me up for all of that. All right. You know, what's crazy about him is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. We're we're talking now my favorite part and that's because As a fantasy manager, A, I don't pick very often because I I do I don't pick very often early because I'm successful, or because I've traded all those early picks for people like a T. Higgins, like a deal I made today. So with saying that, I'm always interested in who's the next Elijah Mitchell, who's the next James Robinson. And so I'll go first because these are the type of guys I look at draft capital. You can talk about how great Brees Hall is, and I can tell you, awesome. I'm only going to be able to draft him one time because I only have one one, 101 pick. But a guy like Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati, Cincinnati, if I'm in a draft and I'm on the third round and I see him sitting there looking at me, I can't wait to draft him because I feel like anybody who had the ability just to step on the campus of Alabama and then go do what he did at Cincinnati, I feel like he may get a shot. And if you look at guys like Elijah Mitchell and Jane Robinson at the schools they were at, 
it's hard to argue with dart throws like a like a Jerome Ford. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had guys to look for, who's your next Elijah Mitchell? If there's a guy late in the draft that you think that had got the great situation, like obviously Elijah Mitchell did, who would succeed in that opportunity? Let's start with you, Christian. Yeah, so I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention it's got to be Kevin's pick. So I will say, so in the mold that I'm kind of thinking about this, Ty Chandler makes some sense. I think he's going to be a day three pick, but I think that he is a really, really talented back that really didn't see a whole lot of opportunity until he got to North Carolina. He's going to get drafted because got effect on that, or so actually, so. So Ty Chandler transferred in from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and but Ty Chandler then went in and won the job outright against a ton of guys that people were pretty excited about. And all I saw on film was good burst, good vision, good pass catching, good contact balance, just all the things you kind of look for. He's got good speed too, and and he's a fairly good athlete. I think he came in somewhere in the eights in RAS, which is really, really good. But and I hope I'm not taking someone's here. Kevin would kill me if I didn't talk about Pierre Strong uh, oh, from from South Dakota State. Is that your guy? That's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Love I'll it. let you. I'll let you talk about him. But uh, he's oh, a player yeah. that it was really hard to evaluate him to start because he was by far the best player on the field. It's it's kind of like that Trey Lance thing that we talked about last year, where Trey Lance was running through guys, but he was running through guys that are going to be you know attorneys and. And, uh, you know, I don't know, accountants and stuff uh, where that was the same thing for Pierre Strong. So I couldn't really gauge what he was going to be. And then he went to the East West Shrine Bowl and tore it up against all these other guys that uh, are about to get drafted. And then he went out and he posted a, a, a 9.3 uh, relative athletic score. He's a raw runner. He's got some things to yeah. clean up for sure. But if I wanted to bet on a, a guy with just super athleticism that I think could figure it out and become a, a legitimate fantasy back, I think it's Pierre Strong. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say Kevin is a very smart guy because that, that would be that would be my call as well. And I think that is the knock, right? Like playing at South Dakota State and Missouri Valley Conference, I think for people are looking at it and saying, yeah, well, you know, he played it, you know, in the Missouri Valley Conference. He played, in, you know, in an FCS program. It's like, hey, if you watch South Dakota State, North Dakota State, some of the teams that are that are in that division, there's some really good football players every year to get drafted yeah. in the NFL to get opportunities. So I, I think we're just not used to seeing as much as the running back position, but especially for a guy that, I mean, he redshirted his freshman year. But seven yards a carry over the course of, you know, four seasons there, 4,500 rushing yards, over seven, seven yards carry. I hit on that 40 touchdowns. And on top of that, he had 63 receptions for another, you know, 800, 600 yards. So he shows he can do both. Uh, I, I think he's a fourth, was it four, three, seven with a 36 inch vertical, um, 511, 207. So he's a guy that you heard a lot of hype about, especially after the combine. And it was really not fun to go back and look at, you know, Guys like you guys that, that I look at, you know, looking at what you guys did with the Debbie stuff and what you guys are coming out with and following that and going back. And um, I've got a chat room. <laughs> I know I think you guys are both in it, but it's a film chat room, but it's not just for fantasy purposes. That's kind of a separate chat room. This one's really guys that grind 
film and lay their hat on that part of what they do in the Twitter space at the end and would have a lot of, you know, scouting NFL connections. And, and, you know, those guys were very, very big on Pierre Strong as well. So as you start to hear that noise, you start looking at it and analyzing your own breakdown. I just don't know what there is not to like other than just saying the guy played at a small school. But then you look at the athletic profile and you go, it, it all measures up. So I, I put down just real quick for a landing spot for him because I want to touch on this one. Is after I could see a guy like him going to Kansas City. Um, I think he brings an element that CEH and, and, and Jarek McKinnon don't bring, which is that real true raw, you know, breakaway speed. Um, he's an excellent pass catching back, I think, in this offense that brings home run ability. You can do some things with him that you saw them do with Tyreek Hill just when they line him up at running back or some of that screen game stuff that they use. So it'd be a fun spot for him. So there's my two cents on Pierre. There you go. So if you're out watching this and you're sitting there in the fourth round rookie drafts or third round rookie drafts, Pierre Strong, Tyson Chandler, Jerome Ford, take the dark throw shot. I think you'll be happy with any one of those three. Now we're going to move on. And the last thing we're going to talk about, draft day traditions. For me, man, I, I can remember sitting there on a Friday night or a Saturday morning and watching first round all the way through round five, getting up Sunday morning. The draft day has always been my favorite part of NFL football, and that'll never change. And so now we get prime time on a Thursday. Uh, before we talk about what we're going to do this week. What are kind of things that you like to do, Coach Bruce, on the draft? I mean, I got to think the draft is as big as anything else. Well, I remember growing up, it was a huge day. I mean, my dad was a huge Cowboys fan, and, and I lived with my mom. Mom and dad were divorced, but I would go over to dad's house to watch the NFL draft, and it was you you grilled, you know, and you barbecued everything you could, and, and you just, you know, whatever, and you had, I'm not going to tell you how many, my dad could probably throw down but that's just what I remember as a child was growing up and it was all about the NFL draft you got home from school and if you didn't get school that day with parents permission and, and you watch the draft and as you get older it, it changes a little bit right now you're the guy that, that's doing that well my family's not necessarily totally into the whole football thing so I'm kind of on an island by myself there but I still do the same thing you know I still will sit in front of the TV for hours um, it's been nice <coughs> meeting people in the Twitter space because now I get invited to a couple podcasts every year, uh, the last year and then again this year to share some insight on, on the draft. So that that's kind of something I, I truly look forward to. Christian, how are you going to spend this draft? You sit there and go, God, please get me nine picks that are right. Because I believe your tweet today said yeah. hey, you were eight out of 32, and that's your best. So how are you going to spend this week's draft? Yeah, too quickly to touch on that. Uh, eight out of 32, R Randy kind of hopped in and had to brag about it. This Randy got 14 of his picks right on last wow. year. Just in, a, it would have ranked third in, in on the huddle report, which is kind of where like the experts are graded. Um, just in an absurd mock last year. So I'm hoping to just beat him this year. That's kind of the goal. Uh, but every year, for the NFL draft for the last three, I believe we do a live stream, uh, which that has become the new tradition, which is really fun. Uh, we do it right here on this, this network. You, you can find it on YouTube and Twitter. Um, and so we will be doing that again this year. It's not going to be as crazy. I don't think, I think we're just going to do uh, round one. So Thursday night, 
last year we did day one and day two, and then StreamYard actually said, you've been on here too long, so uh, sorry, you're, you're booted. But, um, but yeah, that's the new tradition. The old tradition was drinking my pain away, watching the Browns make stupid picks uh, like Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel and, you know, things like that. So Fair I like enough. how you threw that in, though. Yeah. Well, I, hey, I, as I, a Cowboys I, fan, we've certainly had our share of bad picks, so I can relate. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Christian, I'm so thankful that you came on. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given Coach Bruce and I. Coach Bruce, you know, we kind of – next week's real busy for me. I got a whole bunch of stuff coming going, going on next week with golf and my daughter being recruited for softball, so we're going to go see – we're going to go catch a UCLA softball game next Wednesday night on a recruiting trip, and we're pretty excited about that. But we were yeah, kind of – UCLA softball is big time. Just a little bit. We were kind of uh, hoping to go live Thursday night, but it sounds like you'll be using this account. But we'll jump in, we'll talk, and 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 yeah. we can't wait for the draft. Yeah, well, and and you guys are more than welcome to come on. We're gonna have people hopping in and out. I think Kevin and Jeff are both gonna stop by, so it'll be a, awesome. We'll call it the Cut Royale uh, on Thursday night. But uh, and uh, Adam from the college football cut show. I think he's going to hop in. So anytime you guys want, just there, the broadcast will be there. You guys can hop in. Uh, we'll get a lot of good, good info going. Cause it's going to be a wild one on Thursday. Oh, I can't it, wait, man. It's going to is the uncertainty. It seems oh, so yeah. much. I mean, I know you guys are talking about getting eight out of 32 picks, right? Or 14 out of 32 picks, right? But the deal with this year is, we don't know anything, and I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you what, what a great podcast. Thank you so much, Christian. Coach Bruce, thank you. you're the man as always. Christian, thank you so much. And uh, we're finally here, draft next week. All right, man, we'll see you guys. Appreciate you both.